Money Pit is presented by the Angie app. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What are you guys planning for this weekend? If it's a home improvement project, a decorating project, a repair that needs to get done, well, you're in the right place because that's what we do. No, we can't come to your house and do it for you, but we can give you some tips, some guidance, some advice so you can get that job done once, get it done right, and get back to enjoying your summer. First thing you have to do is help yourself by reaching out to us at 888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974, or better yet, go to moneypit.com slash ask and click the blue microphone button, record your question, push send, and you'll get the fastest possible response. Coming up on today's show, we are not the only ones who enjoy spending a lot of time outside in warm weather. For family pets, the backyard is a place to relax, burn off some energy, and play with furry friends and the human ones, too. So we're going to share four tips to help you improve your outdoor space to keep pets safe and happy in the summer. And you may know what a good sunburn can definitely do to your skin, but have you ever thought about what those harsh rays are doing to your home? Well, sunlight can fade furniture and floors. It can raise your energy costs. So we're going to tell you about a way that you can shut out those damaging rays with just the push of a button. And a great-looking fence can improve your home's curb appeal and add to your home's value. But if the fence has not been well-maintained, it can have the opposite effect. So we're going to walk you through how to stain a fence and make it really, really last. All right, but first we want to hear what you are working on. you got a few weeks left of the summer season. How can we help you make the most of this gorgeous weather and tackle some projects? Well, give us a call. Let us know what you want to do. We'll help you with the step-by-steps. Call us anytime, 24-7. 888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974, or go to moneypit.com slash ask. And we are going to go to our first caller. Leslie? James in Virginia is on the line with a ceiling fan question. What's going on at your money pit? I live in a 1986 two-story ranch, and we do not have overhead lighting in any of the bedrooms, and there's no there's no lighting fixtures, and we want to add ceiling fans. So I was wondering how difficult it would be to do that in, in the bedrooms. It's not terribly difficult, but it's not terribly easy either. I would say that it would be very easy for an electrician to do that because they have the tools necessary to get the wiring where it needs to go. It's kind of hard for a DIYer to do that. And the other important thing about a ceiling fan is you need to make sure you use the right type of uh, electrical um, connection in that ceiling so that you have some support on that fan because it gets very heavy and it also vibrates sometimes. So you need to have the right connection for the fan to the ceiling. And of course, the wiring has to be in place. Now, electricians can uh, fish wires through there. There's a couple of tricks of the trade that they use. They have these sort of long, skinny fiberglass rods that can be run in the space between ceiling joists to run wires where they need to be. Um, but what I would do is if you're thinking about maybe doing this in a couple of rooms, I would sort of pile those jobs together because there's a sort of a mobilization cost when you hire a pro for a small project like that and maybe try to get all of your electrical work done at the same time. Now, with a 1986 house, you might also want to find out if you've got ground fault circuit interrupters protecting uh, the bathroom and the kitchen outlets. That would be another easy thing to add uh, to uh, that to-do list that will protect you from, from shocks. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your help, and I love your show. Listen to it all the time. Yeah, good luck with that project and with all the work you're doing to your new house. Call us back anytime. 888-666-3974. 
Petrilla in Louisiana is working on a kitchen flooring project. What's going on? I have a uh, sheet linoleum in my kitchen, and I want to know if I can put the square tile linoleum down over that or any other kind of flooring over it without having to take up the linoleum. You know, I think the good thing about flooring that's available today, Leslie, is that you can put a lot of these products on top of those old sheet vinyl or linoleum floors, right? I mean, there's, she's got a lot of options here. I mean, you really do have so many options when it comes to kitchen flooring, especially flooring that's floating and can go on top of an existing level floor. You have engineered vinyl plank, which is also known as EVP. It installs beautifully. It can look like a variety of woods and wood tones and wood finishes and planks. I mean, there's so many different ways to achieve a durable, easy-to-install floor that's not going to break the bank. Definitely worth checking out LL Flooring. So many options there. Also, laminate flooring. Right. I mean, because laminate flooring is all sort of tongue and groove locked together. Mm -hmm. And again, you snap it all together. It can lay down right on top of that old sheet flooring that you have now. You leave a little bit of gap between it and, say, the baseboard molding. And you put some quarter round or some shoe molding to cover that gap. And it's super durable and it's absolutely beautiful. So the one product I would not put down on top of the old one is another type of sheet flooring. So I would not put vinyl, new vinyl flooring, rollout vinyl flooring on top of that old linoleum because you'll see all of the lumps and imperfections in your old floor. I would definitely look for a product that is that will go on top of that and that has some resilience to it like EVP or laminate. Hey, Money Pit listeners, if we've saved you some time, money, or hassles with your projects, you would totally make our day by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Just go to moneypit.com slash review. Now we're going to talk insulation with Albert from Massachusetts. What's going on? Well, my house is about 50 years old, and the attic is unused space. It's not very large, It's um, and it's got minimal insulation. It's just uh, the, the uh, strips of the... Um, Fiberglass, fiberglass. paper backing. Okay. And yep. I'm thinking that it needs more than that. And I'm wondering if I should get, should it be blown in or um, sprayed on, open cell, closed cell? you have any suggestions on that? Sure. So if you want to use spray foam insulation, I think that's an excellent choice, especially if you're going to be in this house for many years, because it does a couple of things. It expands and it seals, and then also is a much better R value than mm-hmm. the fiberglass insulation. We did this in our very old house. We were replacing a roof at the time, and my house was so old it didn't have roof sheathing. So when we had the plywood sheathing, I opted to spray foam the insulation from the inside, and we basically sprayed the bottom of the roof rafters uh, and the insulation and the sheathing, effectively sealing in the entire attic space. You no longer needed any ventilation in the attic there because spray foam is not impacted by moisture. And now we find that the attic is the same temperature as the rest of the house or pretty close to it, even in the summer when it used mm-hmm. to be boiling hot up there. So I'm a big fan of spray foam insulations. So I think that's an excellent option. Now, you also mentioned that you're not using this space that much. Right. If that's the case, blown in is a possibility as well. Okay. But once you do that, you're definitely not going to be able to access it because it'll just be covered, and you will continue to have to ventilate that because if you use fiberglass insulation, that is susceptible to moisture and humidity getting into it. And if it gets just a little bit damp, it doesn't insulate very well. But I think you may find, as I did, that when you do spray foam, it's an instant change. It's an incredibly efficient thing to do. Uh, It definitely makes the house more comfortable and and cuts back on both your cooling and your heating bills. Mm -hmm. Now, with the spray foam, they would have to remove all that old fiberglass rolled out insulation. 
Actually, I didn't do that. I left my old insulation, which was in the floor of the attic, because I didn't see any point in removing it. There was nothing to be gained from doing that. It just was another job. Now, I already had some of that flooring down. I had to fill in some areas that didn't have flooring because I wanted to be able to take advantage of it for storage. But we applied the spray foam not to the flooring of the attic or the ceiling level of the second floor. We applied it to the roof rafters. And that's the only time you would do that. If it was fiberglass, I never would have done that because that would have been a very difficult area to vent. But because it was spray foam, I was able to spray the underside of the sheathing and the roof rafters. And now if you go up in my attic, it kind of looks like a cave up there because the foam mm-hmm. is just everywhere. And they sprayed it all in one day. They had a really good crew. And I have a really hard house to work with with this because I had some flat roof sections and, and that sort of stuff. I had some tough crawl spaces, and they did everything with spray foam. And I, we found an instant improvement. In fact, if you go to moneypit.com and search guide to insulation, the Money Pit guide to insulation, the story is in there, including my before and after utility bills. So you can see what effect it had. I appreciate the callback. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Now we've got Tammy in Philadelphia on the line who's looking for a better shower. How can we help you today? Um, hi. Um, I was calling in because I wanted to find out. Um, I have an old Victorian house, and I have a, a three, it's three stories. I have a bathroom on the third floor and a bathroom on the second. And when I, if someone's in a shower on the second floor and then someone takes a shower or runs the water upstairs on the third floor, the shower goes cold. And I've been asking my contractors and my plumbers, and I'm not getting a consistent answer. So I like to remedy that since I'm doing remodeling. Okay. So are you opening up walls as part of this remodeling? Yes. I'm, I'm completely stripped down to the studs. Okay, great. So first of all, the reasons you have reduced water pressure in older homes are generally because you have old steel pipes that suffer from internal rusting, and they clog. They close down, kind of like a clogged artery, and then you can't push enough water through it. And that could be your main water pipe. It could be the supply pipes that are inside the house or a combination of them. And so since you're taking the walls apart, the general rule of thumb is that whenever you expose these old steel pipes, you want to replace them with copper pipes, um, or with PEX, which is a different, t- a newer type of plumbing pipe. 
Now, the other thing is that you may not have enough water pressure coming in from the street. Well, well, the pressure the pressure is not that big of a deal because I think that the pressure is kind of okay. It's just that, like, basically we have two bathrooms in the house and you can only use one at a time. Like, the water completely goes ice cold if you're in a shower and somebody comes in and uses the sink. Well, that's because the the pipes may not be supplying that hot water. They may not be moving enough hot water. What size water heater do you have? Um, 40 gallons. All right, well, that's a minimum size, but it should be okay for, for two bathrooms. Okay. And is it an older water heater? Um, no, I just replaced the water heater. When you replaced it, did they change any of the plumbing around it? Is it still going through the steel pipes? I don't think that they changed the, the pipes around the... No, I don't think so. So you need to talk with your plumbers about what kind of pipes you have, whether or not that's contributing to the problem, and you need to know what the water pressure is at the street. Because if you're not getting enough pressure, that could be the whole cause of it. Okay. Now, I, I Googled it, and I saw something online called a, um, a pressure balance valve. Would that remedy the issue at all? So a pressure balance valve is designed to be used primarily in a shower. And what it does is it keeps the mix between hot and cold balanced so that you don't get scorching or freezing cold waters when the pressure drops. So if somebody was to, say, run hot water downstairs and now rob all that hot water from the upstairs shower, it would not change the balance of water from the mix of water between hot and cold. So the flow would be less. You'd have less of a stream, but it wouldn't be... The, the temperature wouldn't change. Okay. Right. Okay. So, no, that's not it. I don't think that's the cause. I mean, that would, that would certainly be a good thing to have and something you should consider, but I don't think that's the reason you're not getting hot water on the second floor. I just don't think you're moving enough water up there. Okay. So, basically, what I need to do is tell them to check the piping around the water heater. Yeah, and the plumber should know this, not only around the water heater, but basically, if you're going to open up those walls, what kind of pipes do you have, and are they corroded, and should they be replaced? To help, to help to help alleviate this, okay? Um, and if all else fails, you could always add a second water heater upstairs. You could add a tankless water heater, which would be a really small unit, and it would supply additional water to that second-floor bathroom. Oh, okay. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, well, I think that kind of remedies the problem. All right, well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you love spending time on your deck, your patio, or the backyard in this beautiful weather, that probably goes for your pets as well. But pets can tear up a backyard space pretty quickly and even get into things that could hurt them if you're not careful. So to help, we've got four ways you can improve your outdoor space to keep pets safe and their humans happy. Yeah, first of all, think about skipping the fake grass. You know, artificial turf that never needs mowing, it's definitely attractive and it works great if you've got sport-loving kids. But if you have pets, you have to know that that plastic grass can get very hot during the summer and it can be challenging to clean. If you do want to have fake grass, be a backyard superhero and select real turf grass for the areas where your pets do hang out. Now, next, speaking of grass, you want to be picky about picking the right plants and grasses. So for grass... Go for something that's hardy that can withstand a high volume of traffic, like buffalo and Bermuda grasses are a good choice, depending on your climate zone. And for other plants and shrubs, you can check out the ASPCA's list of toxic and non-toxic garden plants on their website for advice before buying. You're going to want soft yet very sturdy foliage near walkways. Save the delicate decorative flowers for elevated flower beds and patio pots. Yeah, and if you do want to go all out and make your yard a dream for your dog, go for it. I mean, some ideas include adding a splash pool for your pup, creating a sandbox for Spot to unleash his love of digging, or you can add a puppy pergola to help give them some shade for Sadie. Whatever your pup wants, be creative. Your canine will thank you and be safer for all of your efforts, and your family's going to love it too. 
And we've got more tips on building safe spaces for your pets on MoneyPit.com. Margaret in Virginia is next on the Money Pit. How can we help you, Margaret? I have uh, an old house, part of it built Civil War era. Okay. Uh, the floors in the oldest part are pine, and they're about two. The boards are about two and a half inches wide, and the newer part, the boards are, of the floor are oak, and they're more narrow. I want to know how to safely clean them and keep them protected. There's a product called Tree Wax, which is perfect for this particular application. It's made by uh, the Beaumont Company, and Tree Wax has been around for many, 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 many years. And it's actually a natural cleaner for hardwood floors. So you can find that at retailers across the country. You could find that online. But look for Tree Wax Natural Floor Cleaner. And it's going to enable you to clean those floors very thoroughly without damaging the wood. And that's what's critical because some of the floor products are not really designed for wood floors. Sometimes there's too much moisture in them. They don't evaporate well. And they leave too much moisture in the wood, and that causes the wood to swell or stain further. So look up Tree Wax. It's not expensive, and it works very well. Okay. So is this a put on and wipe off? Yes. Okay. That sounds good. Tree Wax is spelled T-R-E-W-A-X. Okay, one E. Okay, got it. All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Dante in Rhode Island's on the line with a painting question. Tell us what you were working on. Well, I had my house painted a couple of, two years ago. Then my wife decided she wanted to take the towel rack off the off the wall. I took it off the wall. I compounded it. I sanded it. And I had some paint, a brand new can of, you know, a gray paint pint. Right. I opened it. I steered it up, put it on the wall. It dried a different color. Are you repainting a wall, but you just happen to have an extra can of this stuff? Is that what you're doing? The painter told me, so why don't you just buy a can of this paint? Oh, okay. And now it's not matching. Yeah, I understand. Problem is that with exposure to sunlight, the, the color changes. It fades. How big is this room? It's a bathroom. It's not big. All right, so it's a small room. All right, listen, I think the easiest thing for you to do at this point is to repaint the whole room. Because with all the aggravation you're going through to try to match this old paint, by the time you just mask everything off, put put one coat of primer on first. That is really important. Do not skip the primer step. You'll be very sad. Prime the walls first, because this will seal in whatever's there, and then just put one coat of paint on top over that, and you'll be good to go. I think at this point, you've made every effort that you should reasonably make to find the color that matches the old paint. That was You were unsuccessful, so let's go and start from scratch, especially since it's only a bathroom and a fairly small room and easy to paint, okay? Not like this, that it's old. The can was brand new. I hear you, but it's not working. So there's a point where you kind of throw in the towel, and that's what I would do. I would, If that was me, I wouldn't mess with it any further. I would just throw in the towel, put a coat of primer on everything, repaint the walls, and call it a day. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. 
It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U dot com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Leah from California is on the line with a question about an AC Freon leak. What's going on, Leah? My dad has a home and he had paid a gentleman to replace his air conditioner slash heating unit. So he has the one unit outside and then there's the, the unit on the inside that has like the heating coil, I believe it is. Basically, the unit's been leaking Freon for the last three to four years. Um, and the guy came and, and rejacked it up two times and it, it's the R22, so the bad time. We keep getting mixed um, information regarding how dangerous that Freon leak is and if it's something that he needs to be concerned with as far as having his ducting cleaned out or if just getting the machine repaired itself will, will be sufficient. So this sounds like a split ductless system where you have a compressor outside and you have like an air handler mounted on the wall inside. I can tell you, Leah, that both Leslie and I have split ductless systems in our home. We think the technology is really good. It's really solid. Unfortunately, in your case or in your dad's case, it sounds like this refrigerant leak, the Freon leak, has not been actually um, identified. So we know it exists because you lose Freon, but you don't know, we don't know why it exists or where it exists. And so the focus really should be here on finding that spot and testing the whole system for that leak, because if we can identify where it's leaking, then you can fix it. Um, the solution is not to just keep putting more in it. And yes, it is an antiquated refrigerant, and it is changing now. I'm sure that continued exposure to it's not a good thing, although it's probably a fairly small amount. And in most cases, this stuff will evaporate out uh, very slowly over time. So I, I don't think it's a huge exposure, but certainly any exposure is not good. And I think if you can focus on identifying the source of the leak and not just keep putting more in, then I think you get a chance of, of getting it fixed. You know, the fact that it's using Freon over a more modern refrigerant is not a problem. Most older systems do. And yeah, we are changing over to better refrigerants now, but it's not a reason in and of itself to replace the entire system. If you can't identify the source of the leak, then you got to make a decision as to whether or not you do want to replace it, because I don't see any other sort of half measure that you could take. I hope that makes sense. Thanks so much for giving us a call at The Money Pit. Well, if you've ever spent too much time at the beach or at the lake, you know the damage sun can do to your skin. But did you know it can soar through your windows and doors and do damage to your home? We're talking about 
the UV rays. They can fade fabric. They can fade paint. They can definitely drive up cooling costs, and they can whitewash wood surfaces. But there are a few things that you can do to avoid this kind of sun damage. Yeah, first of all, the most obvious way that you can stop UV light from getting through the windows is with some shades, but that also means you need to manage the up and down part. And let's face it, that's not always going to be a priority on your to-do list. Now, a better solution is to install a smart home system that incorporates motorized shades that will automatically go up and down based on the number of hours of daylight throughout the year. Now, with a system like this, you don't even have to think about whether they're up, whether they're down, whether they should be up or down. Plus, they can also come down at a preset time in the evening to ensure your family's security. Good point. Now, final option is to install window film. Now, window films are very thin, and they're designed specifically to block UV rays. Now, these can protect furnishings. They can even help cut cooling costs in rooms where window coverings are not an attractive option. And unlike window films you might think of from seeing cars with darkened glass, Today's window film technology can give you even better protection from UV rays and be completely clear. So you don't even know that it's there, but you certainly won't feel that heat coming through those windows anymore, washing out all of that color in your furniture and your floors. Now we're heading to Arkansas with Butch on the line. What is going on at your money pit? Hi, guys. Yeah, I've got some water that's coming into my garage and we bought this house about four years ago. And this ago, wasn't and a I, planned water feature, huh? No, no, unfortunately not. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I, I did two things wrong. I added a parking pad to the double-wide driveway and ruined the sprinkler system in the process, but that's not where the water's coming from. But I think it's my ups, uphill neighbors, you know, flows down, and I think right. the water is coming down from some of that and then it's a little bit of it's getting into the garage Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure with all that now parking area if i i don't know that i can divert it but i didn't know if they made something like a weather strip for the garage floor door that you could glue down just to keep it from coming in yeah not a lot so yeah right yeah, I mean, there are those products. There are kind of like saddles for the garage floor and for the bottom of the door, but they're not made to hold back much water. If you've got a steady stream that's coming downhill or running down the driveway, the only way to really permanently deal with that is to put in uh, a driveway drain or a curtain drain. The, basically, it's sort of like a narrow trough that gets cut into the driveway all across the front apron of the garage. And the oh, idea okay. is that the water falls into that, collects, and then runs out the end. You you pitch them, and you can hook up drains to them depending on how you know how the the yard is is basically set up. But you got to move the water from from in front of the garage to behind it so it doesn't go through the garage <laughs> on its way to dissipation. If that makes sense. Yeah, and the problem is is it's it's coming down almost parallel to the garage door, but obviously a little bit, you know. And in a heavy rain, we'll get a three- or four-foot puddle in the middle yeah, of the garage. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not good. Well, here's what, what you want to do is put in a drain across the front of the garage, and also if it's coming sort of pointing towards the side, you could put a curtain drain in there. Um, there's a material for, for embedding in the soil called Easy Drain, which is kind of like a drain with aggregate sort of built into it. It's got like a foam, kind of looks like styrofoam peanuts that stick to the pipe, and it's surrounded by a filter cloth. Yeah. Right, so you drop it in place, 
after you build your trench, and then that fills up and runs the water away. And then for the area right in front of that garage, again, that you would have to actually put an apron in for a, a curtain drain right in front of that apron, which is a, a different type of drainage sort of assembly. You'll have to order it, and then you drop it in place there, and you probably could have them both tied together so the water runs through one pipe and then discharge it wherever you can. Right. Judy in Missouri is on the line with a roofing question. How can we help you today? Yes, I was wondering if you had ever heard of, uh, had a roof repair a few years ago, and it's been leaking ever since. They used what they called PAM shield. It's a synthetic underlayment, Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's plastic, and uh, they use that instead of felt paper. Yeah, right. It's synthetic, and it's actually an upgrade to standard 15-pound felt paper. Um, and it's actually better than using standard felt paper uh, under a roof. The reason that your roof is leaking now is probably not because of the TAM shield. It's probably because of something that went wrong with the repair, but I don't think it would have been the underlayment because that's actually pretty good stuff. How is it leaking, Judy? Tell, tell me about the leak. Well, we really don't know. It, it comes through in our bathroom, and we get up in the attic, and we can see drips but they can't seem to pinpoint it. They've worked on it several times, and they just can't get it to go away. All right. Usually if your roof is leaking above your bathroom, there's a pipe that goes through the ceiling right there and up through the roof, and it's the plumbing vent pipe. And right around that vent pipe, there's like a rubber boot that seals that pipe uh, between the, the, the pipe and the roof itself, and then there's flashing that goes around that. That's the most common place for a roof leak, when you have it leak right above a bathroom. And a lot of times contractors will try to sort of tar that in place, but that's a bad idea. What I would reply, what I would recommend is to take out the plumbing vent flashing, uh, and you can do that easily by removing a few shingles in that area. Roof shingles are actually pretty easy to disassemble if you know kind of a trick of the trade. I like to do it with a flat bar that you can slip up under the roof shingle, find the nail and sort of pry it from side to side, and it'll pop right out. And then you replace that plumbing vent flashing uh, and put it back together again and make sure you put everything in the right order so it, it, the roofing lays on top of the flashing. Um, that usually stops that leak. But, you, but leave the vent pipe there? Oh, yeah. The vent pipe uh, is, is there for an important reason. You're going to start having problems flushing your toilet and all your sinks are going to start to gurgle if you take that out. But replace the plumbing vent flashing there, okay? Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome, Judy. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. While a great-looking fence can improve your home's curb appeal, can add to your home's value, and provide stylish definition of your yard and garden, but if the fence hasn't been well-maintained, it can definitely have the opposite effect. Sprucing up your spruce or cedar fence, it is an easy DIY project, and we've got a few tips here to help. Now, first up, you want to check your fence for any needed repairs. You want to repair any loose fence slats, fix any sections that are leaning, and make sure the gates are working well and latch easily. Also, take note of the condition of the bottom of the fence. Now, if the sections have sagged, which happens a lot, and they're closer than about four to six inches above grade, it is very smart to trim the bottom of those boards. By keeping them above grade, you can prevent moisture from wicking up into those boards and causing more rot. Now, next, you want to clean the fence to remove any dirt, moss, or algae. A pressure washer is going to work really well for this, but you have to be careful to not use too much pressure, or you can actually damage the fence. Once you're done, it's time for a fresh coat of stain. Of course, you want to let everything dry out very thoroughly so that it can accept whatever finish you're putting on it and be really ready to stick. Now, when you're choosing the stain, you want to keep in mind that there's generally two types of exterior stain. First, we're talking about a solid color stain, and then the other option is a semi-transparent. 
Now, solid color is better because it's got more pigment. It's going to last a lot longer. And the stain can be brushed or rolled on, but you want to make sure that you apply whatever your choice is with a good quality paint sprayer. It's definitely the best way to go. Not only does it save a ton of time, but it just gets easier because it's helping you get into all of those nooks and crannies on a fence when you spray it, rather than sort of manipulating your hand into all those tricky spots to make sure you're covering everything. Now, here's a tip for those installing new fences. Have the sections delivered before the installers show up. It's a lot easier to stain the fence before it's all put together, and the stain will make the fence last a heck of a lot longer. I did this the last time we did the fence, and that fence lasted like 20 years because I did a really good job staining it before it was installed. I had to kind of talk the talk the fence company into doing that because they're used to just showing up, dropping the fence, and installing it and going away. But no, I wanted it for about a week before they came, and it really made a big difference. Lauren wrote into Team Money Pit saying, we recently moved into a home that was built in 1958. The property had been badly neglected and overgrown with ivy, which grew over and damaged the cedar siding. We also see gaps, cracks, and holes where critters can get in. Is this something we should repair by sanding, painting, and or replacing sections, or should we go ahead and just get all new siding? Well, I think, Lauren, if you love the classy older siding, the wood siding, it's certainly more maintenance, but there's no reason to tear it off if it's repairable. So it sounds like you did the first part, which is you got rid of all of that overgrown ivy growth and stuff. And now that you've done that, you can start to evaluate the condition. But be objective. I mean, you know, if you've got a few cracked boards here and there that have to be replaced, that's really no big deal. It is a lot of work to prep it, but there are tools that can help, like uh, Wagner has a tool that's perfect for this. It basically is sort of a grinding wheel that will just take down the surface of the siding. And so that's all it does. It's basically designed for that purpose. So if you work with a professional painter that has all the tools and the tricks, uh, you know, this house could be restored. It could be repainted and look absolutely beautiful. Just remember that after paint comes repaint about once every eight years. So if you don't want to deal with that and you want to be maintenance free, then you could replace it. And I would recommend you look at Hardy Plank. Uh, which really could last indefinitely. I've had Hardy Plank, pre-painted Hardy Plank on a garage I did. It must be 25 years. That is not, it's not faded one iota. All right, good call, Tom. Good luck with your project, Lauren. Well, we all know that when it comes to home value, location, location, and did I mention location? Well, those are the most important considerations. But realtors are actually reporting that there are other factors that might surprise you that detract from your home's value. Leslie has those details in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, you know, according to the experts over at BobVila.com, realtors are reporting that some decor choices can actually make it harder to sell your home. So let's see how many of these recommendations you agree with or perhaps some you have in your home that you might be facing a challenge with. (laughs) All right, first of all, we're talking about wallpaper. It's definitely seeing a comeback at the moment. I love it. To me, it never goes away, so you can't go wrong there. But definitely not everybody is on board with this. Now, buyers sometimes see wallpaper and think about the money, the time, the effort that it's going to take to remove it. They don't want it. So if you are in love with it and it's something you got to have, definitely not a deal breaker, but know that not everybody might like your choice there. Now, if you go ahead and get rid of a closet, that definitely helps you free up space for larger bedrooms or master baths, but it's also a bad move. People want storage now more than ever, and if they don't see a closet in a space or ample storage, that's definitely a turnoff. If you've got a kitchen that's so white and maybe featureless and shiny that you could perhaps mistake it for more of a clinical setting, chances are that's not going to appeal to many potential home buyers as well. 
If you don't have a bathtub, I mean, I know a lot of times you're looking at making a home more compliant, so you only have a shower and that's one thing. But if you definitely have no bath for no reason, that could make it difficult to sell because a lot of home buyers are young families and bathtubs are definitely essential when you've got young kids and pets. And the other thing is high-end appliances. You know, if you love to cook, you might be thrilled by a kitchen with a high-end professional quality stove, fridge, dishwasher. However, you got to be prepared to lose money on those investments when it comes time to sell because it, it's for you, really, and it's just a, oh, this comes with the house. Nobody's looking to spend extra money because of your fancy stove. So if you're going to love it and it's got to be something you want, then definitely do it. But just know what might come on the end when you go to sell things. Good point. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Coming up next time on the program, summer is the season for many things, but unfortunately, that also includes deck collapses in backyards. We're going to share the top five reasons decks come crashing down and how to make sure your deck is safe on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a Money Pit.